Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Well, tonight we're back in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 19 is where we are, and we're looking again at the glorious return of Jesus Christ, uh, His second coming, uh, as it were. And uh, it's the uh, last time we were here in the book of Revelation, we kind of got an overview of, of what is happening here. And uh, let me read for you the first couple of verses in chapter 19 again. It says, After these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto our Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments, for He hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of His servants at her. And again, uh, they said, uh, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up uh, forever and ever. Uh, And so we see a great celebration that is taking place. And then down at verse 11, we see the the, uh, great return of Jesus Christ. And He says, And I saw... Heaven opened, and before a white horse, and he uh, that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head were wore many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dripped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, uh, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treaded the winepresses of fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls and fly, uh, that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of the kings and the flesh of the captains and the flesh of the mighty men and the flesh of horses and them that sat upon them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And so what we see here is uh, the overture of the uh, coming of Jesus Christ. And and what I want to do is I want to look at this passage of Scripture. It's a very uh, wonderful passage of Scripture, that which we have been uh, looking towards throughout all of the study of Revelation. Basically, uh, we are, have been savoring and waiting for this moment in which we would see the return of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and what we need to understand is, is that uh, really it's not just the book of Revelation, but it's all of Scripture that has been pointing to this time in which uh, Christ would return 
In fact, uh, there's 1,527 Old Testament passages simply on the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's that important that God would direct the writers of, of the Scriptures that uh, they would uh, have uh, 1,527 passages just in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there are about 8,000 verses in the, whole of New Te- in, in the whole of the New Testament. And out of those 8,000 verses, 330 refer to the second coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, uh, for every verse that refers to the first coming of Jesus uh, and the uh, prophecy of His coming, uh, there are 26 verses speaking about His second coming. Except for... Um, uh, um, Except for the subject of faith, there's no other subject that is mentioned more often than the second coming of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Um, for uh, uh, And Jesus mentions His second coming 21 times. And He exhorts those who uh, hear Him and listen to His voice some 50 times uh, for them to be ready for His return. So uh, this is a very important subject within Scripture. It's, it's a pass- uh, it is something that has is, is been uh, foretold throughout all of Scripture, and it is something that is uh, very important and significant. In fact, I think more than anything, the Jewish idea of a conquering king, one who would come in a fashion like a Roman soldier, would come that all of the uh, Israelites saw of their Messiah uh, at the time of His first coming is really uh, an image that we see here of His second coming, more so than His first coming. And so what I want to tell you about is is how important it is that uh, we understand that this is significant uh, uh, a significant passage of Scripture. In fact, uh, God promises uh, throughout all of Scripture demand that Jesus Christ return uh, uh, in the second return. In Psalms chapter 2, we see that, uh, that God sets His King on a holy hill and He declares that uh, His King would come. And this is uh, referring to not the first coming of Jesus Christ, but His second coming. In Isaiah chapter 9, we read that, uh, that Jesus would return, uh, that the Messiah would re- uh, reign and rule. Uh, in Daniel chapter 7, it portrays uh, the Lord coming. In Zechariah chapter 14 and other Old Testament scriptures, it repeats this promise that we see time and time again of the return of Jesus Christ, uh, of this glorious coming of the Messiah, uh, that uh, we would see uh, this, uh, this great time of judgment that is coming. And Jesus is coming as a judge in this passage of Scripture. And so God promises it throughout all of Scripture. In fact, in the New Testament, in Matthew, uh, in the Olivet Discourse, and in Luke, it is repeated uh, over. So it's not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well. And then Jesus makes statements about His return and uh, the significance of Jesus' statements 
demand that He return in this fashion. John chapter 14 says that uh, Jesus says, I will go away and I will come again. And uh, He says, uh, I will go away and, and prepare a place for you and I'm coming again to take you to that place. In Matthew 24 and uh, uh, Matthew 25, Jesus describes His return uh, to uh, to come and to judge the uh, the earth, we see that the guarantee of the Holy Spirit is uh, demands this return of Jesus Christ. It, uh, G, uh, the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the New Testament to promise this. The Holy Spirit also is within us. And it is a guarantee of the fact that uh, Jesus Christ will return. Uh, and, and it's as important and significant is uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His second return is also uh, important to us as uh, the promise fulfilled of His coming again and bringing uh, judgment upon uh, all those who are against God and all those who oppose God against Satan. And so we see this guarantee of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a word that is used in the Bible to describe the Holy Spirit. It is uh, Arabon. And he is called the earnestness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it's uh, similar to the earnest money that is paid by someone who is interested in purchasing property, uh, showing that how earnest they are, how uh, sincere they are to buy the, the property. And this word Arabon can be translated in a way that, um, that instantly brings about a significance for us when we talk about uh, Jesus Christ as the bridegroom and He's coming again to, to claim His bride, the church. And Arabon is a word that can be translated as engagement ring. And so the Holy Spirit is seen as a guarantor of the fact that Christ would return and that Christ would uh, uh, come to uh, be wed with the bride of Christ, which is the church. And so uh, much as a uh, wedding ring uh, or engagement ring is used as a guarantee uh, of the fidelity of an individual to marry another individual, we see that the Holy Spirit is described in the same fashion as a guarantor of the fact that Christ will return to claim His bride, that Christ will return to unite with the, uh, the body of Christ, uh, the church. So we also see that the program of the church, God's plan for the church, is a guarantee of the fact that uh, Christ must return. In Acts chapter 15, verse 6, we see the church established uh, as the uh, the uh, disciples began to establish the church as a body of not just the Jewish uh, followers of Christ, but also the Gentiles who come to faith through uh, Jesus Christ, uh, uh, come to a salvation uh, by faith uh, through grace. And we see in Acts chapter 15, verse 15, uh, it says that uh, Jesus Christ will return to rebuild the tabernacle of David. And so we see that the very foundation of the church rests on the fact that Jesus Christ will return. Uh, 
Then God's plan for the nation demands that He return. In Matthew chapter 25 and in Joel chapter 3, we see uh, the prediction of uh, the Messiah coming back to, to judge the nations. And this is to uh, bring about uh, righteousness and uh, to bring about holiness in God's creation. In Romans chapter 11, we see uh, a passage of Scripture that says that all of Israel will be saved and turned to, to God through the, the work of, of God's uh, anointed returning. And in Ezekiel, we see uh, the dry bones that are revived. And those dry bones are the army of God, all the saints that have gone on before, the soldiers of Israel that rise up and are uh, revived by the, the wind of the, of, of the Holy Spirit filling their lives and filling them uh, with uh, sinew and bone and muscle uh, so that they might stand up and be the holy army of God. And so we also see another uh, circumstance in which it demands that Christ return. We see the fact that Satan has throughout all of history been uh, the, the, uh, sat on the throne of the earth and we understand that Satan is not the rightful heir that sits on the throne of, of heaven and earth, but Jesus Christ is. And so we understand that Satan needs to be dethroned from the throne of, heaven, uh, of, the throne of earth, and he needs to be replaced by the rightful heir who is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He needs to be replaced by uh, uh, the rightful uh, individual, the rightful one, uh, God on the throne of earth. And we understand and know that, that uh, as we look at this, that Jesus Christ is returning in this glorious return to bring just judgment and righteousness upon the earth that He might establish His kingdom. We also uh, see the expectation of the saints. Uh, throughout Scripture, uh, we read that uh, those uh, who are upon the earth are waiting the return of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read that there are those who are waiting His return. Uh, Old Testament, New Testament state, uh, saints as well are awaiting the return of, of Christ. And so uh, this is a very important passage of Scripture. It is something that is very significant. It is uh, something that God has been pointing towards and all of uh, humanity has been waiting. And so we see uh, these pass uh, this passage of Scripture in, in Revelation 19 and we see a description. And we see in this description uh, the con uh, Jesus Christ returning not as the, the humble servant that we've seen throughout Scripture uh, as He has come in the first appearing. Uh, we see uh, Jesus not just as, a, uh, as the meek and lowly of heart that He was as he, uh, when He walked upon the earth. We see a different picture of Jesus Christ. He's not, uh, uh, in this passage of Scripture, He's not entering uh, into the world like He uh, entered into Jerusalem. How did He enter into Jerusalem? He was uh, meek and mild. He uh, was on a borrowed colt, uh, the son of, a, uh, of a, uh, a donkey, that He uh, had to have someone else put a cloak over so that He might ride upon the donkey. And He came in uh, to the, the cheers of the people, but they, they weren't uh, cheers like 
a conquering king was, would receive where all the vesture and vestments of all the conquering king coming in with all the spoils of war, he was coming in with palm branches being uh, put in for, uh, before him. And with the, the dirty, dusty cloaks that they were wearing uh, throughout the day, they took off of their bodies and they put them on the ground uh, for him to enter in. But now we see a very different picture of Jesus. We see in, in uh, Revelation 19, verse 11, it says, And I saw heaven open up, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. This is not, this is not a, 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 a individual who's turning his... Uh, uh, face towards those who are uh, punching him and spitting at him and, and calling him all kinds of names. This is a conquering king. This is the return of the conqueror. And you can uh, break up this passage of Scripture in three categories. Uh, the first one is uh, the return of the conqueror. He's, his eyes were as flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had... Uh, a name written that no man but knew but himself. <coughs> Excuse me. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name was called the Word of God. And so we see this uh, passage of Scripture shows a, a return of a conquering king. He's coming in in great power and might. He's got eyes that are piercing his uh, very uh, voice is uh, pictured as a, uh, a sword that proceeds out of his mouth that brings about judgment. He's uh, bringing, uh, his eyes are lit with fire to those who would oppose him. He is the conquering king. He's not uh, the gentle lamb that came to be a sacrifice for us, but rather he is coming, why? As a conquering king to bring about judgment upon those who have resisted. And all throughout Revelation, we have seen what? God time and again giving mankind the opportunity to come to a realization that, uh, that He is Lord and that Jesus Christ is uh, the Messiah, uh, that for all of mankind to, to turn their hearts and lives over to God and to, to, uh, to submit to His rule in their life. But time and again, all those who remain upon the earth during this time of tribulation and time of, of uh, proceeding with all of these judgments that are coming out upon uh, the, the, uh, the people that remain upon the earth, time and again it is because of their rejection of God. Rejecting, rejecting, rejecting. And throughout this whole period of time, God has brought judgment after judgment to bring the heart of man back to Him, but instead uh, the heart of mankind has grown harder and more like stone throughout the whole process. But now comes the final judgment. Now comes the time in which God sends his Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to come and to make His second return upon the earth. Now there's some uh, uh, differences between this and uh, the rapture of the church. Jesus, uh, when He comes for the church in John chapter 14, verse 1 and following, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 and following, it's nothing like this return. 
And when Jesus comes to, uh, to return to, to take His church, what we call the, uh, the snatching away of the saints, uh, that's not mentioned here in Revelation, but it's in those two passages of Scripture. It's described for us. Uh, Jesus comes uh, at that time by Himself. He comes with a great trumpet sounding, and He comes, and uh, we as the, those who remain upon the earth, if we hear that, that, uh, that trumpet sound and Christ comes to take away His church, it says the dead in Christ first uh, will ascend, and then those who are alive will be called up and meet with Him where? In the air. In this passage of Scripture, uh, we see that Jesus is coming not in the darkness, like uh, 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 this passage of Scripture, He's coming in the darkness, and uh, when uh, He raptures the church, it's co- He comes in the bright brilliance and daylight. Uh, when He comes to get the church, the church rises and meets Him in the air. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus comes with a great mighty army, and He's uh, preceding this vast army of the saints behind Him, and He will step uh, on the earth at the Mount of Olives, uh, uh, right, and Isaiah tells about how when he steps on the Mount of Olives, it'll split it right open and create a great valley uh, there uh, out of the Mount of Olives. And so we see that uh, there's a distinct difference between the rapture and uh, this occurrence of when he comes. And we see uh, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 27, also uh, this glorious. Uh, return of, of Christ. And so we see that this is uh, a conquering king that's coming to uh, bring about uh, his righteousness. It says that he is called uh, by a name that no man knows, but he, is, uh, but he is called faithful and true. And with righteousness he doth judge and make war. So he's making war upon those who are uh, opposing truth and justice, those who are opposing His righteousness. He's making war upon those. And who, and who is that? It's Satan. It's uh, the beast. It's the Antichrist. It's uh, all those who are lined up against uh, uh, Jesus with, uh, throughout the world that have, have aligned themselves by taking the mark of the beast upon them. It's all those who resist and have continued to resist. He is coming up against them. Now, uh, we have to understand there's a significant amount of uh, literalness as well as figurative speech. Now, uh, uh, we have to understand that, that Jesus will return. A lot of what I've read to you that John is describing, he's describing in a way that he understands a great mighty king like a Roman king coming as a a great conqueror of uh, a vast nation of people. And uh, Will Jesus come with a bunch of crowns dangling on his head? Will he come with uh, on a horse? Uh, You know, some people have said, well, this is proof that horses will be in uh, heaven. Uh, no, I, I don't think that's the case. He's coming uh, with great uh, power and might. He's coming as a great mighty king. It is imagery that is used to describe 
the way in which he is coming. Uh, is it significant whether he's on a horse or whether he's coming uh, without a horse? No, uh, it, it's not significant. It's just that he, it, he is coming to bring about righteousness and judgment. That is, the, that is what he is being portrayed as doing, and that's what he is accomplishing as he comes. He is clothed with vesture, dipped in blood. This is also another uh, uh, illustration of the fact that he is coming to bring about judgment upon all those who would oppose uh, the Word of God in the world. And so he is coming... Uh, 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 will literal flames come out of his eyes? No, it's talking about the fierceness of uh, his gaze and the fact that he's coming not as a meek and humble servant, but he's coming as a uh, risen king. He's coming with great power and authority. He's coming to uh, exert his authority and his great power. And so these are all images of the fact that he is coming in great might. Then let's see, uh, the next section is the regiments of the conqueror, those who come with him. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it uh, he should smite the nations and that he should rule them with an iron Rod, uh, and then, and he treadeth the winepress of fierceness and the wrath of the army of God. Uh, that gets into my next section. But in verse 14 is basically the fact that uh, he comes with great regiment. Now, uh, so many people have gotten the idea, the misunderstanding, the misconception that, that when we uh, go to heaven, and we spend all of eternity in heaven with, uh, with God. If we go to heaven before, if we die and go to heaven before the end of the world, before uh, the tribulation and before the, this great war, that we'll be part of uh, the great army of saints that are coming back with uh, Jesus Christ to help defeat Satan. Uh, well, I believe that we'll be there, but again, this is another imagery of a conquering king coming with a great army of those who uh, contributed in the warfare. But, uh, but in the understanding this, it says that uh, out of his mouth comes a, a mighty sword, and with his words he conquers those who would oppose him. Uh, Jesus will utter a word and... and He'll defeat all the armies of Satan and all the armies of the earth that have combined together to oppose Him. Uh, He won't need us to fight or to to do battle, but it it says that uh, this great host of people that are following Him uh, are uh, those uh, who are in heaven uh, or following Him on white horses clothed in fine linen and white and clean. All of this cleanliness, this white imagery, the, the white horses, the white cleansed robes is all imagery of the fact that these are saints that have gone on to their reward in heaven and they'll come as witnesses. And I believe that, that if we are in that category of people that, that uh, go on to our glory before uh, this occurrence, that we would be witnesses to this as part of this great assembly. But we'll, God, God doesn't need us to defeat Satan, does He? 
He doesn't need us to fight His battles. He doesn't need us to, uh, to get uh, on our horse with an AK-47 or an Uzi and, and start mowing down the armies of, of the world. He, he, he's bringing us uh, very similar, like I've mentioned before, uh, this great wedding party that comes uh, along with the bridegroom to come and to claim his bride and to come and to prepare uh, a great showing of uh, the presentation of the bride so that the bride might be taken uh, to the great feast uh, as he has prepared uh, the, the mansions in heaven for us as we uh, go into heaven. He's prepared and he's made a plan for us and he's made everything ready. Now he's coming to present his bride, the, the whole assembly of saints that are behind him as well as those who uh, he claims at the end of time as a presentation of the bride uh, to the world that he has redeemed these and now he is about to bring uh, exact punishment and judgment upon those who oppose him. And so we see the rule of the conqueror. The third section starts in verse 15. And it says, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is his declaration of who he is. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He will uh, reign uh, forever and ever. And I saw, uh, and uh, we we see it uh, following here uh, the declaration of the angel of the great carnage that will happen upon those who follow. Uh, this angel is basically uh, calling all the scavenger birds that would come and to eat the flesh of those who've been defeated. And he says in verse 19, And I saw the beast and the king of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on his horse and against uh, his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him and with uh, which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and on them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire. Now these both, what is that? The beast and the false prophet were cast into the lake of fire because they had deceived those who had uh, received the mark of the beast. Uh, and they, the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon this horse. Now, that means that his, righteous, uh, his uh, righteousness and judgment brought, was brought against those who opposed uh, Jesus Christ. And that sword which proceeded out of his mouth, which was, again... Um, Verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, that he should rule them with a rod of iron, uh, and tread upon the winepress with fierceness of the wrath of God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is exerting his authority as uh, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, and so he said, it says that... Uh, all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And so what we see here is a great image of the rule of Jesus Christ, the great conqueror, that He comes not just simply to defeat Satan, but He comes uh, uh, with those who are 
in heaven, the bride of Christ, and He comes uh, to rule those who have opposed. And, and so we see a great uh, image of what happens in this uh, occurrence, this time in which Jesus Christ returns. And as we go into chapter 20, uh, we see uh, further uh, uh, images of, of this time, but we're not going to get into that because we don't have time to, to get any further. But we see how this passage of Scripture has been called for uh, from uh, the beginning of time uh, that has been called for uh, since, uh, not the beginning of time, the beginning of humanity as we have uh, seen uh, the great sin of mankind separate us from God. Uh, We come now to this time in which the great judgment of God befalls those who have been constantly uh, doing everything they could to oppose Christ throughout, especially this time of the tribulation. And so we see a great celebration, really, of those who follow after Christ, those who proclaim Him to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because this is... Uh, and if you recall your history of Jewish uh, thought, uh, they have always been uh, looking forward to the great and mighty day of the Lord. If you think about all the different times throughout Scripture that you've heard uh, the Israelites talk about the great and mighty day of the Lord, the day in which God will bring judgment upon the nations of the earth, that God uh, was coming to bring about judgment upon all those who opposed Israel. This is what they're talking about. They just missed the mark a bit in understanding what it was about. It wasn't about the the uh, exaltation of Israel, but it was about the exaltation of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who is the root of David that was proclaimed in Isaiah that would rise up. And he is the one who would uh, sit upon the throne of David, but not because it is uh, David that was special, but rather because it is Jesus Christ who is special, who is the, uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To bring about not judgment upon those who have done evil against Israel, but judgment upon those who have resisted Christ, resisted God. And so this is a wonderful time, a time in which we celebrate and we worship God and thank Him for the fact that we can look forward to this day, this day in which He uh, uh, returns in might and glory to establish His kingdom upon the earth.